So in the first of our Ergo Sells Out series, we're here with an ad for you. I'm Kiss. I'm Damon. And uh, today's ad is for Overcast. Do you like podcasts? Uh, I'm still coming around. I'm lukewarm. Do you like them when they sound really good? I do. I do. I think they should sound great. Then you clearly have never listened to our show. <laughs> but you might use today's sponsor, which is Overcast. Overcast is a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now to listen to Ergo. Because we're not even on there. But we like it. Especially if they pay us money, you can get it for free on the App Store. Go do it. Enjoy the show. <laughs> We're a little thrown off here. How y'all doing? I am Kiss. What up? Happy New Year! Oh, I'm Damon. And uh, you're listening to Ergo, ErgoRadio.com, here on WHPK885. What we do here... That is verified. That is true. Facts. That is true. What we do here is live, long-form conversations with artists. Artists. <laughs> coining new terms already. New year, new terms. Uh, it should be called artists. Artists. Someone yeah. who arts. Yeah. yeah. An actor, a painter, an arter. Yeah, I like that. Uh, <laughs> so we talk with artists up here about the... Uh, ways that they are reshaping the culture of our city and our world for the more equitable and the more creative we have a very special guest here today but first uh let's 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 do some community announcements you got anything dame you know you just mentioned this like 30 seconds before we got on air and i realized then that i do not you have nothing i i, I showed up without my homework again that's okay yeah. it's only been a year and a half you'll get used to it <laughs> Lucky for you, I've a, I've a few things. You know, I rely I rely on my team. Yeah, your team, which is just me. <laughs> I am the team. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's like a, like singles tennis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or uh, doubles with doubles with the yes, two of us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rick Wilson's performing tonight uh, at Sub T with That's Man good. Wolves and Camaria. That's gonna be a good show. I think it's like ten bucks. You should definitely go check the Joseph Chilliam shows coming. Ooh, on the eleventh for sure. That's gonna be there a really go. good one. There we go. Lincoln Contributions Hall. just off the top community <laughs> announcements. Also today, I just saw this. I don't know why it hasn't gotten a whole lot, but. They're doing a screening of Lemonade at the Harper Theater with a panel talking about it, including Ergo alum Jamila Woods. That's tonight. And I think that's free. That's cool. It's kind of a cool idea to go forward and check that out. Also on Saturday, the Hoodwazee returns. That's Ricky Gamboa's uh, live events talk show that I'm one of the producers and contributors for and Damon's contributed to as well. It is at Reunion in Humboldt Park, uh, Saturday at 8 p.m. And then lastly... um, one of the people in our community here wrote a really nice piece uh, that just got uh, published in the New York Times as part of a series called The Lives They Loved. Um, Tess Razor of Asada's Daughters wrote this beautiful little tribute to Takiya Holmes that I think y'all might want to check out. Uh, we'll link to it on our social media and everything. Um, but just shout out to her for writing this beautiful little tribute. That's all I, uh, that's all I got to announce. You well, good? Yeah, how are you? Welcome, before we get started, well, welcome back to the city. Happy <clears throat> New Year. You. Thank you. I was back east visiting family uh, with uh, with Rosie. Shout out to uh, shout out to the boo. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we've been trying to do the impossible, and we have failed. Um, and it's really heartbreaking. And I'm just really glad I have this platform to announce that today is the day that Netflix has taken Lost off of their streaming platform. And we have been putting in some serious work we got four episodes from the end last night, and we were like, we just can't stay up all night watching these last four episodes. We like gone. fell asleep on the couch. Now it's gone. So I'm open to suggestions. Let's start with that, <laughs> um, and then we'll, then we'll give any any ideas for where I might be able to find the last four episodes of Lost. 
Also, you can call in 1-800-223-9797. I think you should just, um, you and Rosie should just like make it up yourself. <laughs> Film it, and then that will be a moment that you two have forever. That hey. was way better of an idea than I expected. <laughs> it's like you'd say like a like putlocker. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go back. <laughs> so our guests, for those of you who couldn't tell, aren't really good at reading voices, uh, is an actor, a comic, a writer and just an all-around gem, folks. We have Dwayne Perkins in the building. Bro, bro, bro! Hello, I am an arter. <laughs> That's an art modder. There I'll, you go. An arter of the highest regard. Yeah, I'll die for my art. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an art martyr is that mm-hmm. the? Okay. Ooh. You don't even know how much I love a portmanteau where you put two words together. Yeah, we're I'm off a, to a good start. I'm a witch. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to start with why we were, uh, why I was so discombobulated to no, start. No, no, let's start with the way we start the show. Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Thanks We've for never the Again, <laughs> it's New Year. Two and a half years in, we think we'd have it by now. No, this we is this is our show. tradition. Yeah. How is the world treating you? How are the how are you treating the world in this time, this season, today? However, you did think of now uh the world is stupid because it's cold Uh, it is but also i've been really good lately this is uh, like mentally like mental health wise i've been focusing on just like doing nothing because i recently moved to new york and i've been back for family in the holidays and i've literally i felt like a kid on christmas break where i've Mm. just done nothing but play video games and um do drugs with my friends don't do drugs guys <laughs> um uh, but not like real drugs just like um so all right fun, ones. Fun drugs. yeah <laughs> don't do them to your older now. yeah don't do that. uh yeah and just been like i just been like chilling uh but before that i was like struggling because it was like life is hard yeah. 2017 was a hard year i felt like it was the hardest year that i've like had to work like i've worked the hardest mm. in 2017 and it just like really wore me down by the end i was just like bare in terms of like all my walls are down i was just like sensitive i was snapping i had like i was just like the most vulnerable of a person yeah. and now i'm like oh i'm back to normal because <laughs> i've had time to like recharge rebuild yeah isn't it amazing how little time it actually like a week will do that to you and you, you can like get back to where you need to be but a week when you're in the midst of it, feels like there's no way I could take a week and like get back to where I need to be. Mm. But you're like, oh, of a year, a week isn't that long. And then I'm like back to where I need to be. Yeah. I, to that point, like we, private organization, Let Us Breathe Collective, we were like doing some like grant writing, year planning, and we had to like look through like numbers and ways that we never do or rarely do. And so we had to look back at like 2016 numbers and I'm just now realizing that it took all of 2017 to like just catch my breath from 2016. So like a week is never enough. Like we need to take our time. So I am glad that you have found some comfort, even if it was short, yeah. to be able to take your time. Because <clears throat> then like January 2nd, I got a bunch of emails and I was like, oh, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Back to real life. What's your... uh? You mentioned the video games and the drug. What's your like, I'm back home and I'm reverting version of you look like like what is that regression version of doing well um my doctor told me that i should um smoke weed because of my anxiety um I got, last year i like was in the hospital for a couple of days because i was like i went to a doctor for like a normal checkup 
And she was like, and I, I told her that my chest was hurting and she took an EKG and was like, go to the ER immediately. And I was like, oh, I'm for sure dying. <laughs> this is happened. the end. I was like, <laughs> no more I was like, all right. She truly did not. She it's was a like, vague emergency. She was like, just go to the ER right now. And I was like, girl, you can't just, you <laughs> what, can't. what do I tell them? I was like, uh, what? And she was like, give them this EKG and then they'll know what to do. And I was like, oh, I'm like, I need a heart transplant today. <laughs> but I, I saw John Q. I'm not on the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to the hospital and I was there for two days. And I took a bunch of tests. And then at the end, the doctor came in and was like, hey, um, you have unchecked panic attacks because mm. you have bad anxiety. And I was like, oh, but I'm not like a white person. And then uh, <laughs> he was like, no, but like you do, you should like um, chill. He gave me like some like breathing techniques and was like, also, I can't give you a weak heart because like you have to have like a chronic illness in mm. Chicago. But he was like, you should just do it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> like, uh, this is an info, a vague prescription for a vague emergency. He was very just like, you know, it can help. <laughs> just go get a tray for <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. Also, I got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, doctor. Are you trying to like, are you the, the plug? <laughs> and then, um, so what that would look like is just me hanging out with my friends in a basement watching like 80s music videos, um, singing, watching a goofy movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so let's, uh, let's get into good segue. that. Yeah. No, I, I, got, I got one more serious thing before I let it go because I'm okay. like, this is I'm, 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 hold, I'm holding on. Uh, but you, but you, that, that joke you made was one funny, but also like something I've been trying to struggle with, like like mental health and, and how that plays in our racial landscape mm-hmm. um, and, <clears throat> and the concept of being vulnerable or getting help are either signs of like weakness or privilege, right? That like, yeah, t- to it means you were either not strong enough or like that's some white shit, like, yeah, you, like I think to that- get to get treated. And so, are you did was that like something you were really at, or is that just like the joke for the humor of it right now? Or did oh, you really work through that? No, because I personally do. <laughs> it is a joke, but also I think, um, I am not held to certain standards as a straight black man. Mm. I think me being gay has allowed me to feel things and people accept that without them being like, you have to be stronger. Cause they're like, they, they gave up a long time ago. <laughs> uh, but I do think that there is this idea of trauma that is so ingrained in our lives that if you don't deal with it, then that's anti-black cause mm. like trauma is black and that's mm-hmm. trash. That's like yeah. that. No one should have that imbued upon them so i do think that it is a thing that needs to be stopped where people think you having therapy or you like dealing with trauma is weak it's smart and i think we we'd be better as a race if we all cared more about mental health and was not afraid of being uh put down for saying you're sad because <laughs> that's a real emotion yeah, yeah. That's a, that we, exists. you know something i just realized as you gave that very good answer uh is that we need an intersectionality bell up here anytime like <laughs> some intersectionality gets brought up we just need a ding 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 ding, ding. uh because yeah i think i think yeah, i'm uh, getting really tired of putting in the intersectionality bell in post <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think the the uh the gender and sexuality aspect of it is real and i think that was a real good example of like where like power relation to oppression also harms the oppressor so to speak right mm-hmm. uh but we could transition from that because that was a, <laughs> a heavy start to, to, to as we're just getting our toes in this water yeah. and let's go to what's really important you have on the greatest hoodie 
uh, I have ever seen in my life. For those who yeah. cannot see, which is everybody except for me and Daniel, uh, our guest is wearing an amazing Powerline hoodie, uh, Standout World Tour 1995 from the amazing movie, The Goofy Movie. Just tell me about it. Tell me, tell me how you feel wearing it. You, um, you're in a special place right now. A Goofy Movie is one of my favorite movies of all time and this was a gift for my best friend for my birthday wow. uh because that's a great best friend shout out yeah her shout name out. is asia Brock. shout out asia. she's my creative partner oh where, where, uh, where? yeah we made a web series that was in the same festival as a web series that you, no, as a uh, short film that you were in oh shout out yeah. thanks for bringing me into Starring your story artists, i really drive I really slow like <laughs> shout out to terrence you the one um <laughs> Yeah, and she just knows me, knows my heart, <laughs> and yeah. she knew that this would make me happy. She's special. Uh, also, I had like an obsession with Tevin Campbell from a very young age because hmm. I was like, I see something of myself in him. <laughs> and when he was on The Fresh Prince singing uh, "Happy Birthday to Ashley," yeah. I was like, Who is this guy? So even before he came out, mm-hmm. oh wow! Like I just felt like he had like a like a sensitivity in his eyes mm-hmm. that I could <laughs> relate to. <laughs> and a friend of mine is a friend of his. <laughs> And when I was doing Water and Out, he called him and was like, hey, I have a person that's a fan of yours. And I got to talk to Kevin, to Tevin Campbell. And wow. I was like, this is weird. Because I don't know what to say. <laughs> this was on the phone? Yeah. Oh, that's and super weird. I was just like, hey. Yeah, what did, you, what did y'all talk about? <laughs> oh, it was very short. It was just me being like, hey, I'm such a fan. All right, very nice <laughs> to talk to you. Bye. It's like the same conversation you have when you run into someone on the street, but it's even more awkward on the phone because you can't like, one, take a picture, which is like the classic default for like, I don't know what to do, but I know I'm excited mm-hmm. right now. But on the phone, it's just... A long silence on the phone is kind of the worst thing in the world. And I think it would have been more awkward if I was like really into it, just saying, "Hey, let's ha- yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah, for yeah, yeah. hours." Like, <laughs> you would have like, "I don't start know about you. your dad." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So let me tell you how you impacted my life. <laughs> but let, let's take a moment on the Goofy movie because this is clearly something that's very impactful for both of you. What what is what's the appreciation? I think um, it was like I don't know. I was trying to be silly, but I always get like super analytical and serious, especially like it, it kind of had like some some. So pseudo hip hop kind of like black aesthetic yeah, things like they, Max was kind of black. Low oh, key. Uh, they are black. <laughs> you know, and um, Tevin Campbell was the was the voice of Powerline. Yeah. First of all, which we did not explain mm-hmm. to those. Who oh are yeah, not that that's with the, the connection between the Tevin Campbell and a Goofy movie. But uh, it's been known like it's like a black trope that like Max and Goofy are both black. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a father son story, and within, also, and yeah. also being a child, you don't see many movies based around the father son relationship mm-hmm. and max was kind of trash yeah he was <laughs> he was a dick yeah, yeah he was not a good person a kind of an anti-hero yeah in some ways. and the fact that goofy was like i'm your daddy and i love you was just like so heartwarming <laughs> yeah, he would like do anything for his son mm-hmm. and also it had really good music yeah um i think yeah. the conflict was more painful because it wasn't like it was just like a lack of appreciation for the love of your father yeah and it was just like yo that's the only parent it, you got laughs, like, man. and then, um, and so Goofy wasn't the star of the Goofy movie, which was yeah. also really, I think, uh, mm. a, a cool choice. Mm, it's like Zelda. Yes, I also have to like put you on blast for not having seen a Goofy movie. Oh, yeah. Have you not seen yeah. all Disney movies it or something? Oh, so it's top. It's top five of the nineties Disney movies. I, my this is. I'm glad that this is. Let's do it. Let's do it. I haven't seen Disney movies. I haven't. Are you about seen to say you haven't seen Lion King? I've seen the Lion okay, King. I've, right. seen like, <laughs> I've seen like I've seen like I've seen the necessities, <laughs> the bare necessities. <laughs> oh, yes, bravo, bravo! Uh, but I haven't seen like so we didn't have cable growing up, 
So I didn't see any of like the Disney Channel no, stuff. VHS. I mean, VHS. <laughs> I'm not trying to hear. We had a few. We had a few tapes. I'm not gonna lie. We had a few tapes, but I'm just woefully underprepared. I never seen Rugrats. Never seen uh, one. And then just on the larger scale, I've never seen Titanic. I've never seen Star Wars. I've never seen these big movies. I've never seen The Godfather. <laughs> oh, I, I just watched Yorker in your house. <laughs> <laughs> we were just whittling. <laughs> Just building cabinets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, the upholstery was. <laughs> no, I was like was a until a very old age, like a PBS kid. Like I saw a lot of Arthur. Mm. And I, actually, and ironically, I saw a lot of Arthur and a lot of the Fresh Prince. That's because mm. I would come home at like four thirty, and it would be Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and then the Fresh Prince, and I've seen I every mean, Fresh Prince episode. I, I think that's why your moral code is so intact because you just were watching like the very intentionally programmed PBS. Yeah. <laughs> My parents, and we just were... watch trash. Yeah. <laughs> Us Nickelodeon, Disney kids, all that stuff. But speaking of TV, we like to have segues here, and you're doing a good job of throwing out little tidbits that we can transition to. You were on Wildin' Out. Oh yeah, that's yeah. super cool. Congratulations, first Thanks. of all. How was that experience? Um, it was good. We'll get more specific. Don't yeah, worry. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> it was interesting. I learned a lot. Um, I think that it was a growing experience for everyone involved that season. It was the first season where they had um, openly gay men on the show. Mm. And because the show is based around hip-hop culture, which isn't necessarily the most progressive, mm-hmm. it was um, a task to... Which I appreciate them doing is trying to like place me within a culture that is inherently anti me. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so it was hard because <laughs> I was like, uh, in that environment, it's like, it felt like high school where it was like, oh, you like roast, you make fun. Like that's the whole point mm-hmm. of the show. But it's very much like the thing that they deem you as is the thing that they joke about. Right, so right. like if you're fat, there's like the fat jokes. Yeah. And for me, it was my sexuality, which in this day and time seems very antiquated mm-hmm. to be like, hey, you gay. And me being like, yeah, we all know this. This is a fact. It's like you being like, yo, you got eyes. And I'm like, <laughs> we, <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. But it was still like, that was the route that was always taken. Really? Cause that was like the, it's the easy way to go. It's right. like obvious, like clear joke. And I think with the training that I've, that I've gotten and like satire and like all of that branch of comedy, that was never my first thought. It's to be like, oh, what's the first joke? I'm always right. like, what's the subversive weird joke yeah, that you have to like to leave, see. think about, and then come back and be like, yo, that was dope. <laughs> uh, so I had to like adjust my comedy to mm. fit the style of the show. Yeah, which um, is a very distinct style. And like, you know, that's part of what has made it, has given it some staying power. Is like, yeah, there isn't really anything else that feels like that mm-hmm. in the it, same way. It's like a brand within itself that I don't necessarily fit yeah. perfectly into that box. So I had to be like, okay, how do I adjust to fit this? And also how do I adjust emotionally and mentally to not take this stuff serious? Yeah. Cause I think mm-hmm. coming up where I grew up on the South side, being gay was always a thing that was used against me. Right. And I grew up to be like, Oh, whatever. Like I love myself. That doesn't matter. But to be back in an environment where I felt like, it mirrored my bullying childhood, but it wasn't the same stakes. Mm. I had to like mentally readjust to be like, this is not that. This is something else. But also so like it's on television. It. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. super triggering. But I've gotten many messages from people yeah. uh, uh, from like lots of like gay men being like, it's so good to see somebody like yourself so open and free about who you are in that 
environment and not be fearful. Mm. And I, but there was a moment during the process where we had like a truth circle because mm. the showrunner was like, oh, we need to like raise the morale and get to know each other. And it got to me. So we're like going around the circle. People are like, oh, this is where I'm from. This is who I am. And it got to me. And the guy next to me like jumped at me to like make me flinch because it's just like a very masculine mm-hmm. energy. And I was like, okay, we got to stop. We got to have a talk. And mm-hmm. I was like, um, look, y'all don't know who I am. So let me tell y'all who I am. This is me. This is what I do. I don't like being bullied in third grade. I got arrested because I tried to kill somebody because they tried to bully me. I was like, uh, real talk. Yeah, I'm gay, but I'm also crazy. So like, <laughs> don't play it. And then they were like, oh, we respect that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, then, oh, violence. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> I was like, no, like, like real talk. Like, I don't like being bullied or feeling like I'm being bullied. But I can like play around with the best of you. But like, if right. you cross that line, I'm, I'm gonna have to tell you real quick because like I'm not about that. Because there is a difference between like clowning on people and roast, and, like roasting people and bullying them. Right? Yeah. Like, because there's a reciprocity that's assumed mm-hmm. about like this is like a flattening thing. Is that we are all like equally being torn down and then building ourselves back up by tearing someone up, which isn't like necessarily a healthy dynamic. But I do think like <laughs> it, it can work. And the identities aren't right on the same plane right so like i know sometimes they might have like a uh well i don't want to go through it like the other stereotypes but um it's there's higher stakes to make fun of something that people like are harassed for in real life or or, or experience violence Mm -hmm. also within that environment things are not equal so like Mm -hmm. within hip-hop culture being gay is already a thing that's not necessarily accepted right so that rhetoric would maybe reinforce mm. people's ideas that like being gay is wrong Stick if you're always saying it's wrong right yeah right. um but i also had to uh <laughs> get over some stuff of myself because like people would be like oh you're gay and i'd be like yeah but you're not talented and they would be like too real <laughs> i was like but like they just came at me so like i can't come at them and they were like no you know like tell a joke yeah. so like they would but like i was like i thought that was a joke so like they would so no, be I like, thought you were a joke yeah. so they would say stuff like oh you gay blah 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 you always on your knees and i would be like oh you think personality is comedic skill and they would be like oh, no and i was like oh you know <laughs> we all have opinions <laughs> That's really funny. So he, he kind of like teased me rightfully so because we like don't like asking the type of open ended questions that I did. But there was some intention behind it, too, because I don't watch Wild and Out anymore. Uh, so I didn't want to make assumptions. Uh, but and you kind of made it clear. You said what I assumed uh, was that you seem to be from like our world. In a sense, as we're just meeting you, I don't know if you you agree. You might not like our world. You might want to know what our world. You is. know, I think I he gets. Say, well, I think he. I think he gets it. I think we're from the general same world. Yeah. I'm. I'm making the claim. We are now, if nothing else, and and that feels like a different world. Yes. And, and so and so now that you confirm that, because I didn't want to assume that in the question, uh, are there things you were able to take from that experience that you're learning to be able to better craft your world and your your craft of being in that kind of gymnasium? experience yes it uh helped me develop a new like level of code switching Mm -hmm. where i've always had to code switch in my entire life from like from like um my race sexuality but now intersectionality yes but now (laughs) 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 Uh, but that was like a comedic 
intellectual code switching mm. where they would actively tell me that like my jokes were too smart <laughs> for TV. Like wow. that for the the structure of the show. Yeah, see like our you, world. <laughs> you have to have jokes that are simple and right. quick. And my jokes are always like layered and nuanced. Like um we uh there was one joke in particular. Like we had uh, a show called Hood Jeopardy where it's Jeopardy but it's urban. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, I feel like you should have known. What if you want to concede? Oh. <laughs> Thanks for that explanation. <laughs> and uh, you like, it's Jeopardy, but you just say... Uh, I just assumed stuff. it was Jeopardy and sweatshirts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, that's uh. a funny joke. See? Mm. <laughs> that's, a, that's an A to B, not an A to C. <laughs> and uh, the thing was like, uh, how to bag a Kardashian. Mm-hmm. And... Um, People would come out and be like, you know, be black, like um, have money, be a basketball player. And I went out there and I said, um, oh, I know that your father represented OJ Simpson. Are you also interested in getting a black man off? (laughs) And they were like, oh, great. And then as I got off, uh, like moves, somebody was like, that boy's smart. And I was like, (laughs) I just said more words. (laughs) It's not like that deep. That boy's smart. One of the great audience responses. That was my whole thing of just me being like smart and gay and me being told by different people to uh, to adjust it and me being like, I don't know actually what you want from me. I don't know. So I'm just going to do what I want and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, So let's get outside the context of that show and into just kind of more of what you're making in general, whether it, how has that, um, are there, have there been other places where people have been like, can you like recalibrate that? And you're like, this isn't like a a formula. This is just me being me. So like, where are you, where are you finding the openness to make what you want to make right now? And then are there other places where you haven't necessarily had that, that you've had to wrestle with it? Uh, I think my whole life, shoot. Uh, I think most, most people and institutions in this industry want to make money. And what makes money is what people know. Mm-hmm. And so there are like boxes and tropes. And I don't feel like I fit into them um, perfectly. I feel like black men are seen as like super strong, like uh, your Idris Albas and mm-hmm. people from The Wire. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> pretty much and then uh gay is like seen as like white reference heavy sassy and i don't fit into either of those i'm just like the guy that's like hey i like men also i'm from the south side and I'm anxious about loud noises because they i think they're all gunshots like i right. just like uh and i think my whole focus creatively have been to create my own stuff and that's where i've been getting most of my success from right. even being on what and out has came from me doing stand-up like it's always like me presenting myself because on paper i am a liability i'm a risk like being hmm. black and gay is something that inherently doesn't go together right. because everything that society says they're the complete opposite right <clears throat> and so i have to like show people who i am for, so they could be like, oh, that is re- like relatable. That's something that we can see ourselves in. Because if you think about it, you can't name three gay black comedians. You have Wanda Sykes and that's about it. Yeah. <clears throat> and she's a woman. There also aren't just in general very many gay men who are stand-ups, who are famous. 
yeah, there's I just, can't. Yeah. It's hard to name like yeah, like any all, famous gay black people like in yeah. the industry. Like, there's just not they don't exist, and if they do exist, it's because they're within a box of gay blackness that yeah. somebody's like that's now what gay blackness is, and right. you're like. Jesse Smollett can't be right. <laughs> the representation of like all like we don't all sing and we're not on Empire. <laughs> uh, it's basically like when the camera cuts to you, like, is everyone gonna recognize exactly like that that's the the question, right? Is like when the camera cuts, will everyone watching, which means a whole lot of white people in many instances, like, is what they're seeing going to match up with their expectations? Yes. A- and the like what is very often required is like, no, no, take like four more seconds and then you'll understand. <laughs> yeah. Just like, just like, listen, just like a, yeah, l- a little a bit closer. Little just like, just like bit. a little bit. Like yeah, yeah. I'm nuanced. I have depth, Yeah, but <laughs> I find it difficult because I think my gayness allows me to ap- appear safer to white people. Hmm. Cause they're like, I mm. know gay people. Mm. I may have a gay brother. Like that, like gayness is, seen through a lens of whiteness so it's more acceptable but then within black culture i feel like that same thing that is attractive to white people is what's unattractive to black people so i'm i feel like i'm always like teetering like okay who's in the audience what like how should i rearrange who i am to get the greatest impact for these people because me just being me is sometimes too hard to swallow which I think is so stupid because I'm so chill and it's so normal for yeah. me. And for, for people to take me in, they're either at, at like when I do shows, once I'm done, either they're like, oh, we love you. You're a special unicorn. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, you're an alien. I can't talk to you. And I'm like, either one is fine. Like, whatever. But I think I've, uh, as a artist, I think I've grown to myself to where I'm like, this is fun now. Yeah. Like there's, I used to be so terrified that because there was no one to look up to like me that it was impossible right but now i'm just like oh no i can just do whatever i want there's no rules and i'll try to be that person for someone else yeah that's an exciting like really place to be yeah yeah yeah. so let's let's go a little bit back yay um i agree when uh (laughs) what's the first time on stage for you Mm. or one of you know what wh- where did that enter into your life the performing oh yeah i remember this moment very specifically so i've when i was younger i had a really bad stutter so i've had speech therapy for like 15 years it was like insane i couldn't talk very well and i remember i think it was like sixth grade we had those like um like pamphlets from national geographic or like some of those things mm-hmm. and i would volunteer in class because i was like very smart i loved like school but every time I volunteer, the kids would be like, why? You can't talk. <laughs> you take forever to answer stuff. But I'm like, well, none of y'all know the answers, you idiots. <laughs> you take never to answer yeah, stuff. I'm like, well, it'll come out eventually and you still won't know it. So like, whatever. Uh, and so I would volunteer and we were reading the uh, the the Count of Monte Cristo, like a passage from it. And I was like, I want to volunteer. And we had to like act it out. And everybody was like, boo, <laughs> sit down. And I was you like, boo, <laughs> sit down. And I was like, the I'm going to read it. Came out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and I read it. And it was the first time that I didn't stutter, like reading something. Cause wow. I was like, oh, I'm not playing my, like, I'm not me. Oh, I'm wow. this person. And I was like, what? <laughs> and everybody was like shocked. And I was shocked. And then, um, 
Um, they kept booing, but they were shocked. <laughs> they're like, boo, but also we're intrigued. Uh, <laughs> boo? <laughs> and then I realized that when I sung, I also didn't stutter because it was like a pre-planned thing. And I realized that if I know what I'm going to say beforehand, that that kind of eliminates the anxiety of talking, which then stops me from stuttering. Hmm. Uh, That's so interesting how that like psychologically works. Yeah, stuttering is so insane because like scientifically, there's no reason why it happens or why it stops happening. It's all wow. like an individual mental thing. Um, wow. So yeah, so that was like my first like breakthrough. I've been like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I should do this more often because stuttering is causing me so much strife. What grade was this? Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Like sixth or seventh grade. What school were you in? I went to Hearst Elementary School, which is on Forty Seventh and Lacrosse. Okay. Like right off of Cicero. Okay. And um, then I went to high school. When I went to high school, I was like, I'm a become a new person because I was getting bullied in elementary school. But everybody thought I was crazy because I tried to kill that boy. Um, that's yeah, we're going <laughs> to... 20 second time out here. <laughs> that's in my stand-up set too. But, like, it's funny now that I think about it, but back then it was not funny. Yeah, so I'm not going to make you do the bit, but like as much or as little of that story as you would like to share. Long story short, I was getting bullied. And we was... have time. You can do more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, my whole joke in stand-up is that um, I was gay, but I was also a thug because, like, <laughs> I had to be. And in third grade, I was getting bullied by this guy. And one day, I was like, you know what? He has to die. It's <laughs> like this is too much for me to deal with. And so, um, I brought three foot garden shears to school because mm. like, I didn't have a gun or anything. I, I was like, I'm you just, were only four foot eight at the time. So I was that's like a large. I was just the smallest person. <laughs> and like, um. I was in eighth grade. Also, a very exquisite choice of, of weapon. <laughs> oh, and my joke is that, like, because when I went to school, I wanted people to think that I was crazy, but also cultured because I gardened. <laughs> and like, I was like, mm, what could be like a theatrical way to <laughs> murder someone? And so I went to school and I snuck them in school, like in my clothes. And then I went to PE. You were wearing Jenkos at the time? <laughs> <laughs> they were like half in my pants, like half in my shirt. I don't know how no one caught me before that moment. They were like, uh, yeah, they were like huge. Yeah. And I brought them to PE and I tried to stab them, but I got tackled and arrested. Wow. And then they were just like, don't do that no more. And I was like, okay. <laughs> You're like, I can't garden? Because <laughs> I was like a very small child. Yeah. They couldn't, like, the handcuffs couldn't even fit. They were just yeah. like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a moment. I want to say I'm so <clears throat> that you are definitely a good comedian because that, like, objectively is really not a funny story it's really terrible but you're making it very very my family came to see me do stand-up and we were like talking about it hathors and people were like that story can't be true and they were like oh no it is we remember this (laughs) happening and i was like i was a crazy kid (laughs) i i've grown since then yeah and then in sixth grade sixth grade a lot happened i was uh the smart kid and so this guy was like hey let me cheat off your spelling test and I was like, nah. Mm-hmm. So he slapped me. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then he was like, your mother sucks male genitalia. And I was like, no, your mother does. So he slapped me again. Mm. So I stabbed him with a pen. And then we both went to the office. But like, there were still like moments like that where people were like, oh, he's crazy. And I was like, this is a response to right, something. Right. I'm not just like out here being like, let me yeah. kill everybody. I'm like, <laughs> no, like I am a child just trying to learn right. and I am getting bullied and no one's doing anything about right. it. And it's clearly like everybody sees it. 
Yeah, there's no understanding of the power that it Yeah, I was like, uh, and that's institutionally why, saying it's like acceptable. Basically. And I think that's why I didn't get in trouble most of those times because mm -hmm. they were like, you have a future. We see that you want, like, you just want to like live your truth. And I appreciated grown ups being like, it's not you, it's them. And me being like, thank you. I agree. Get them out of here. <laughs> and when I was in high school, that guy that slapped me, I saw him on a bus and he was looking homeless and he was asking for money. Mm -hmm. And I was still like, I want to give him money. And, and I was like, oh, I love who I am. Because part of me was still like, well, karma. <laughs> but then part of me was Did you like, give the money? No. No, you were just happy with yourself uh, about the thought. <laughs> I thought about it. And that's 75% of it. And I was like, oh, I'm not oh, as, I'm good enough. I'm not as damaged as I thought I was. <laughs> and then I was like, but that's enough for today. Uh, Terrence, I will see you. His name is Terrence. But I think he's okay. He's actually a cast member on season 10 of Wild. <laughs> he's doing better than me. So, Karma. <laughs> the third great guy, is, has, has he ever come back in, in your world or your life? Uh, yeah, I saw him on Facebook not so long ago. He's like dating somebody. He's a my, landscaper. That was my friend's, that was my sister's friend. <laughs> And I was just talking about this a couple of days ago with a cousin of mine that went to the same school because we were talking about like fights and all that stuff. And I was like, I wonder what he's doing. And she was like, oh, he's doing this. And I was like, boo. <laughs> I hoped he was in jail like everybody else I went to school with. <laughs> Yeah, what are the odds that he's another one who made it? I was like, boo! Ah, the where is this failure? I was like, we're equal? <laughs> no! The stats lost again. You're still a better speller, though. <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> uh, so you, you said like a couple times that, that like, oh, he's just a, he's a crazy kid thing. When, like, that's, you said it like in kind of like a flippant way, like, but that's kind of a big deal to keep hearing about yourself. Um, like hear a grown up say like, oh, he's just being a crazy or he's being a crazy kid. Um, and then now in the context of what you were talking about up top with like having a better or more nuanced understanding of mental health for yourself and like what you need in order to be okay. Like, do you think there are strands or, or like how have you been just pulling that apart in learning about yourself? And then is any of it on stage? <clears throat> yeah, I think that um, ever since I was a young kid, just being, I had a certain level of awareness that I think allowed me to decipher things quicker. I also have like a very good memory. Mm -hmm. So I like, I see things and I like really, and because I couldn't talk for so long, I was always in my head. I had to like, just, I had time to think because I wasn't talking. Mm -hmm. I had time to listen. And I think that had a really big impact on my life is just for a large period of my childhood, I couldn't talk. So it was just me taking things in and being like, hmm, if I could talk, what would I say? And just like thinking and then me You're having- basically like doing like sketches, like writing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then um, my stutter was based around like certain words and certain sounds. Mm -hmm. And so when I did speak, I had to- strategically pick the words mm. that were easier for me to say yeah. and so i was constantly rearranging my thoughts to simplify them or to find synonyms or like to do anything that could take my thought but transform it to make it palatable for me to actually say right and so i think i just used my brain a lot more mm. than kids my age had to because yeah. they were just like, you say what you think. Yeah. And I was like, I literally cannot. You're like, no, no, we're in the third rewrite over here. <laughs> I'm, yeah, like, uh, I'm like, ooh, I'm glad you can just be like, 
hey, here's my feelings. And I have to be like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. But I actually can't say that because it won't come out. So what's something close? Let me break this down to find the root of this feeling. So instead of being like, I'm sad because I stutter, I'd be like, I am feeling contentment towards this thing. That was easier to say than like me being sad. So I just was... My brain worked in a way that allowed that forced me to break things down. So as I got older, it was just easier to do that. Mm. And it happened visually. My father's side of my family is not necessarily the other side of my family that's been like hit the hardest by like uh, yeah, by like systemic <laughs> oppression. And seeing that at a young age and being in an environment where my mother would be like, You can't be like this person. And I'd be like, okay, what's wrong with that person? Let me go examine them. And I'm like, okay, they do this and this and this. Is that that what you think is wrong with them? Okay, so how do I not do that? And then I see people doing what I want to do. And I'd be like, how did they do that? Mm -hmm. Like the only reason I started working at Second City is because I saw Mean Girls. And I was like, oh, this is a good movie. Who wrote this? And I was like, oh, Tina Fey. And I was like, what did she do? And then I saw that she went to Second City. And I was like, okay, I'll do that too. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I like, I break it down, then I see things and I real and I like think like, can I realistically do this? Then if I can, I just go do it. Yeah. And then once I'm done with that, I'm like, okay, what's what's next? Yeah. And I think that that is like what has allowed me to be who I am right now is just seeing things in a more academic, objective way of just being like, okay, let me break this apart, look at the pieces, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. And I think um, when I talk to, like, I have a deep obsession with friendship because I think that, I just, I love friendship. It is, Shout out to friendship. I think it is the, the purest kind of love. I think yeah. it's really fantastic to, like, actively choose to allow somebody in your life without any, um, like, you don't want anything from them but friendship, yeah. which is, like, such so like a and you have to make it up from scratch a lot more than often people do in romantic relationships because in romantic relationships there's like an example of what that, whether it's true or not mm-hmm. of what it's supposed to look like so you're like comparing off an idea yeah, so there's like the these weird rules like, yeah, yeah yeah friendship you're just literally freestyling yeah, like, i can leave at any point like <laughs> yeah it's like who are you well what do you like what do i like oh well that's different okay let's see okay that works <laughs> it's just like yeah. it's yeah it's fantastic and i think that um I have a friend named uh, Marcus who like who went to this school and we were just like talking about like love and what that means, like how it's a spectrum. And I've never like saw love as something. Mm-hmm. I, it was always like, this is your like family love. This is romantic love. And just like seeing how like everything else, it is a spectrum. I've been like each person you have to create your own unique dynamic with. Cause like, is as if you're like two chemicals and if you're poured in the same beaker, like you never know how that reaction is. So I meet new people and the people in my life that I have met, like meet them. Then I'm like, who are you? Right. And I like try to really create a relationship that's just for us to, because yeah. I'm not going to treat you the way that I treat you. Cause you're different people. You have different experiences. And I think that has like, um, like tailored my life to be a certain way to where I'm just like, you know what? Everybody's their own person. (laughs) I feel like I'm in like my most like hippie stage of life Mm. where I'm like, you know, love is great. (laughs) You should love everybody. But it's fine because you say that, which is like kind of this openness, but then there's also like the way you got there is like, I just like how your brain works because that was like very, the, the like level of analysis of that, of what you just walked through means that like you for months and years, like 
figured a whole bunch of stuff out and like processed it about like what does a friendship mean and all the like you're you're actively thinking <laughs> he told you he was smart like 19 <laughs> times you ain't here you're not listening <laughs> but my point is that it sounds exhausting to uh, that, that processing of mm. like yeah of, of, I, it sounds great to get to that point where you can just yeah. be like every relationship is an individual relationship and it's what but like the work of that sounds really really hard maybe it's not any harder than writing yeah I think it seems exhausting, but I don't think it is because I think that the like uh, the pros of it outweighs the cons mm-hmm. because you're doing all this work to have relationships that are like filled yeah. with love yeah. and like happiness. So like once you've like done this work, it feels worth it because you're like, I have a friend for life that like I love, they love me. I have like people in my life that like just like that are pure happiness and i'm like that is i'd rather work for that than have like an easy going thing Mm -hmm. with a friend that's like i don't even know who you are like i don't and i um and i have this um i'm in this improv group called three pete and it's truly like a group of people that i'm like obsessed with i talk to them every day Mm -hmm. about what like it doesn't matter like what we talk about we just like be talking about nothing but it's like you curate these people in your life. I have this like idea about a friend of mine died when I was very young. Mm -hmm. And I, up to that point, I was like, old people die. That's when you die. (laughs) And to have somebody that was so close to me die so young and me being like, yo, he died when he was 16. Like that's so little of life. And I was like, I feel like if I'm still here, I can't like waste time. And it's, and I don't have time to give people time of my life if you're not worth it like mm-hmm. go away like and i and i've been like practicing to like and this is like both selfish but also like whatever like curating the best people that i can find and yeah. surround myself with them because yeah. i'm like why not yeah that's like a good, <laughs> that's a good project <laughs> like if you're going to be spending your time doing something if, if what you're if you're going to be like working towards something being surrounded with people who are pure happiness is like a good thing to work toward and also being in the industry that I chose to yeah. be in, which is so personally draining. Yeah. You need to like you. And I honestly see why so many famous people are, like go crazy. Yeah. Like child stars. I see why they grew up and they're insane. Cause like, it's yeah. such a, it's, I wouldn't want anybody to become an actor unless they really wanted it. <laughs> because it's just an art that forces you to be, more human than everybody else hmm. around you and that's like not a that's not a thing that i don't think a normal person who's not like mentally stable can do right whereas like hey we're gonna judge you as you are as a human in real life but by like these standards that we just created right well that's the crazy thing is that they're forcing you to be more human at the same time they're dehumanizing you yeah and it's like it's a mod like it will screw you up if yeah. you are not like mentally like stable like it's it's not a good industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like so like if you can find the right people, find the projects that really speak to you, it's like the best. But it's also the worst because it's like this like by the same token, you're like, this could be the most fulfilling for my heart. Yeah. Or it could be the absolute worst. I remember I had a, a, an audition for Roots. And every black It was a couple years ago, and they were like, "Hey, we want you to audition for Kunta Kinte." And I was like, 
what? <laughs> was this on stage? No, this was like for the for, for when they did the miniseries yeah, for yeah, the, the, the. Oh, they did bring Roots they, back yeah. to TV. Yeah. That happened. I forgot. Uh-huh. And I auditioned for now audition for Kunta Kinta. and the sides were yeah, just like me is. like getting whipped and just like which is like slave stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, slave stuff. And They're I did like it. we'll fill the details in later. Then <laughs> finish writing. Like one of them was like he's like sitting in a tree talking about goats, and I was like <laughs> okay. Then one of them was like literally he's like tied up getting beat, and so I like did it, and then they like I sent them my tape, then they emailed me back. Well, they emailed my agent and the notes that they gave me was that um i looked too good first of all they were like we need mm-hmm. him to like look less put together like grow out your hair like wear just like a t-shirt and i was like okay then they also were i was like he looks a little dead in the eyes and i was like um tell me what slave do you think would just be like glimmering in the eyes like <laughs> a real, just a real like a <laughs> just like a real thirst for life like, also thank you <laughs> i was like um yeah a lot of whimsy <laughs> And then I tried to do it again, and I like just I was like I don't like to pretend to be a sl- like this is not like I'm not there. Yeah. I was like I praise people like Lupita, who I'm like you like I I don't want to actively like do like I don't want to do that kind of art. Like I'm I don't want to sacrifice myself for a movie. Like, yeah, this is Hollywood. I mean, I'm like you, oh that's you, a lot. <laughs> I'm guessing you've seen Hollywood Shuffle, the Robert yeah. Townsend movie. Yeah, I mean this is. The whole premise of that, which of mm-hmm. course is just as evergreen, like now, how how have you, and you mentioned like, well, when you find the right people, it's like the most exciting feeling in the world. And the people who you said are your friends are also, you know, whether it's Asia, you made the the web series with, or, you know, the three Pete folks. Do you find that the people who you feel most connected to and you have these like wonderful relationships with tend to be people who you collaborate artistically well with? Yeah, they're all the people that I work with. Like, um... Me and in Asia, we do all of our stuff together. Three Feet has some stuff that we're working on right now. Um, yeah, and that's like the most like that's what keeps me going. And I still do like the other stuff, but the other stuff I now have a place where mentally I'm like, this is a job, right. and I have to like think of it as like an office job where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go in and play thug number two get this check and then I'm gonna leave and never think about this again. Mm-hmm. And then I can leave and be like, okay, three Pete and me and Asia stuff is like stuff I can like actually commit myself to like emotionally. Yeah. Cause I've reached a place in my skill where I can like do things. Like I can like act. Cause like, that's just like a skill that I have, right. but I don't necessarily have to give you my heart. Like I'm not right. doing that. Cause like, you know, thug number two does not deserve my heart right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll give you all of my Give skills. me thug number one and we yeah, can talk I'm about like, it. Maybe, but... <laughs> maybe. But like, I... It's a more rounded out backstory. <laughs> and like, and I do think that there is, and that's not necessarily the best mindset because I do think that there is a place where you can humanize thug number two. Like, people need to see that character, but also... You got to sustain. Like, I don't... Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I had to worry about what I got to do after this. Like I, I got to worry about Dwayne. Yeah, I'm one. like, um, I'm a real human being <laughs> that has feelings and emotions. I had an audition for empire and like the mm. audition was just like walk in, say a line, get shot. And I remember <laughs> <laughs> that was literally what it was. Oh, God, being then, a casting director must be so tripped out. You're just watching people do that over and over and over again. And the, uh, yeah. And like the script was like, walk into 
ghetto ass records like like that was the yeah. name of it right? <laughs> and then you walk in say something you get shot and i did it but i know that day like mentally i was not there and i remember getting shot and me being like ow <laughs> and then being like oh i should have fell i should have been on the ground I'm like oh <laughs> and then i was like oh i'm not gonna get this at all <laughs> But I was like, I'm just not in the mood to get shot. Like, this right. is not like, do you see what's happening in the world? Yeah. Like, I'm not like, I'm not there. Like, I don't want to mentally go there because like, that's where I am in real life. And I'm like, that's going to charge up some feelings that I have to deal with once I leave this yeah. room. Yeah. Yeah. And like, life is still happening. So like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be thug number two, but that more well-adjusted person will be. Because yeah. also I went in there and I was like, all oh, these men look like they just got out of jail. I'm wearing a fur coat. <laughs> uh, let's be real. It is a different character choice. It's definitely like, a different uh, choice. Yeah, that's definitely a thug number one choice. And like, <laughs> yeah. and like, I can do that, but also like the roles that I want are just not yeah. creative for me. Like right. one of my dream roles would be uh, John Dorian from Scrubs. Mm-hmm. I would love to be like the character that's just mm. like goofy, oh, totally has that. like fantasies. Yeah. I'm like, like I want to be that person, but they're always like, "No, you're you going to be, be Turk." The, yeah, and I'm like, "Turk is fine," but also, why well, can't yeah. he just like sports? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> that's pretty much. He it. does. He's just yeah. like, JD's such a good character. It is. Yeah. It's such Shout a good character. Yeah. yeah, it is. How does uh How does your stand up fit into all this? Because I know you haven't been doing that for that long. Um, and, and what kind of doors has that opened up in terms of that, like imagining the characters you want to be when you have all the control? Uh, the reason that I started stand up is like. Uh, I wouldn't say selfish, but it's very strategic. Uh, I was doing a show in DC called Black Side of the Moon, and it was it had three stand-ups in it: uh, Felonious Monk, Dave Hellman, and Sonia Denis. Two of the three have been up on the, yes. on the show. Ah! Yeah. See, we're in the same. I tried. I you thought I was bullshit, but I said we're in the same world. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I knew that way, and I was like, "Oh, you're in that thing with that other thing that I was in." Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And I would see them do stand up and I was like, oh, that's cool. I like that. That's fine. But the thing that got me is that when people would come to see the show, they'd uh, talk to us and they'd be like, yo, your writing is so good. You're such, like the content that you create is so good. And I'll come to me and be like, you're such a good actor. And I was like, oh, I wrote most of that show. But they would never know because that's just not the way that people see comics so that stand up they assume that you wrote what you're saying you better have written what you're yeah saying. some people don't and that's something that blew my mind i did not know that but some people don't write their own stand up and i was like oh that's that's new that's, that's new insane. and not okay well it's real old and then it was and then it's new yeah because it was like you know like shecky green didn't write his own joke <laughs> you know like though those cats go they were just like recycled they'd be like are you gonna do the rabbit bit tonight or am i gonna do the rabbit bit tonight yeah. but yeah no that that's interesting so then you saw that like credit where credit's due being given more equally you were like i yes. can do that and i was like i can do that and then they were like you should do it and so i did stand up for the first time last thanksgiving like the day before thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh sonia used to host uh open mic called uh at Coles, mm-hmm. and i went there and they were like oh you're so good at this and i was like oh yeah i've been doing like comedy for like a decade just not yeah. in this um like vein yeah and it truly has made things so much easier because yeah. I think that people see me differently now. They see me as a creator of content and not necessarily just an actor that's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also it's been easier to like push my own brand mm-hmm. where I'm like, hey, I'm gay and I'm black. Let me tell you how these actually go together because yeah. most of you don't think that they do. And it's been the easiest way to like, 
so like um like nail down my brand mm. And with the air quotes for those yeah because <laughs> i truly hate brand <laughs> so like hollywood is so stupid yeah. but like, it's true you are uh, everyone's at, a brand everything's a smash we understand you yeah. are and like especially as a stand-up since the content that you're creating is usually based off of you so you are your brand and um the opportunities i've gotten from stand-up like within this last year um it's been crazy because i think that um the amount of work I've gotten has like doubled. Hmm. And I think it's simply because people give you a different amount of credit when they see you do stand up because you're by yourself. And if you can hold your own by yourself and you wrote that, it it just means more than if you're in sketch. Cause then, and it also forces you to either be good or be okay with being bad. And I'm not okay with being bad. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, so I have to be good. Cause like, there's no, out like if you're bad it's all your fault like you can try to be like "Mm, the audience is bad but also be better (laughs) and there's there's no there's no fallback yeah Yeah. so and it's so i don't like being in like awkward situations and so if you're terrible on stage that is so awkward and so i'm always like i have to be good because if they're not laughing i'm gonna have a breakdown (laughs) like this is gonna be weird for everybody well you hear people talk about like when you've been doing it 10 years like getting good at bombing like that's what Chappelle was always is like. I don't care how good you, I don't, I don't think a comic's good. I can't tell if a comic's good when I'm watching them kill. I can only tell if they're good when I'm watching them bomb. Yeah, because you see how they react in that, and I think that just takes a long time to like get comfortable with. It does, and I like when I first started doing it, I would talk to a lot of stand ups, and they would be like, "Oh, everybody bombs," and I was like, "But I don't want to," <laughs> and they're like, "But everybody does," and and I was like, "But I'm going to try never to bomb," and they're like, "But you will," and I was like, "Why would you wish that on me? Like, I don't want to," and they were like, "Well, people get better by being, by like by seeing what they messed up on and working on that." And I was like, I can judge myself. I know it doesn't work. I don't need a group of people to be like, that don't work. Like, I know if it doesn't work because you don't laugh. You're like, I know, you're like, I know stand-up has, this has been the case for everyone else, but it's going to be different. Yeah, but my, I don't like, and that's truly has been my whole mindset on life is that like nothing has been created for me. So why do I have to listen to your rules? Like yeah. I'll see your rules, see what works for me and be like, I don't, I don't like that. Even with Second City, like there's this idea that like there's like, ladders and there's like there's a yeah. there's a path you do this you do this you do this yeah, it's like a farm system yeah and i'm like you created that with stray white men in your head i'm yeah. not that so like i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna do this other thing and it's been great so far people <laughs> yeah. just are like all right <laughs> and that, that's that's like it opens doors because you can leverage it you can leverage the access of that without having to like play by their rules right so you can like get an op- figure out an opportunity by like making your own path. I don't know. I'm oh, no, but the way no, you were just yeah, describing it. It does know? make sense. Like if you see somebody that you find successful and you see their path and you're like, okay, this is exactly what you did. If you break that down, you're like, oh, I can circumvent that by just mm-hmm. doing this. Oh, like and I think that like there's so many people that have done it. It would be a shame for me not to look at their paths and learn from it. Yeah. So when people are like, oh, you're gonna bomb, uh I'm like, no, I don't want to bomb because I can watch somebody else bomb and then just not do that. Like I'm like I don't have to like sacrifice myself to be better. I'll just sacrifice everyone else. <laughs> so uh, don't go to an open no, mic with no, them. No, oh no, because I will watch you and be like, oh that was bad. Boo! I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> then I'll see somebody do something good and be like, oh okay, do that. Like, it's, like you let the bomb for you. It's that simple <laughs> in in my head to to just be like, okay, that's bad. Don't do that. And I feel that way with everything. Like with 
uh with um men and like the whole like sexual assault thing i'm like if you know it's bad then don't do it and that's <laughs> it's that simple with me like that's good do that that's not good don't do that yeah and i think just having a simplistic view on that on like comedy has helped me a lot by just being like okay just be good you've like simplified a few and you're good enough that you can be good when you say be good that's i mean that's the other thing and then like if you're not figure out how to how to be be good and then be good like i have this saying that's like be better or be gone like it's like either you like do it or you don't but like don't for the lack of a better word pussyfoot (laughs) just like either do it or don't get to it well we've done it we i feel like i could tell i have like many many more questions but we are out of time but let's end let's do it this is important it's a time this is the most important part first one of 2018 yeah this is important this is the corner store it's corner store the cornerstone of our work here it's a game jumped in (laughs) (laughs) proverbially (laughs) (laughs) it's a game we play every week with our guest um and it's all about accountability here we've been we've been you know intellectual and, and love-based all hour. Uh, but now it's time to get to that work. Uh, and it's about beef. So there's a sect of the world that is hashtag problematic uh, that, that I like to say as a run amok. And those people are R&B singers. And so from any era, from Motown up into a SoundCloud guy or person, uh, beef with an R&B singer and why? When we've already had Tevin Campbell love, so we've already in, uh, yeah. in, engaged love the R&B. <laughs> um, who don't I like? Oh, okay. I have a, there's a group. Yeah. Uh, Drew Hill. <gasps> okay. It's specifically for um, these. They, <laughs> you guessed in. I love Drew. <laughs> like, um, they have a, me and my sister, like we have, I hate it. They have a video for, um, I'll never make a promise that I can't keep like that song. Uh-huh. And the video is about this like adult woman getting like raped by her father. Oh God. And it doesn't match the song in any way possible. Okay. And I've tweeted through multiple times just being like, but why? Like, <laughs> why'd you make this choice? This makes no sense. Every time I watch this video and it's Myra from uh, family matters. Mm. And I'm like, I don't understand this song. <laughs> is we're not, family yeah, like, this song is not about um, sexual abuse in any way um so why just why like it's such a like if you watch the video you're like yo this is so, and then they like rescue her and i'm like but you could have just like been walking on a beach or something like, you didn't <laughs> Wait, drew hill rescues her yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like yes. yo this is weird yeah no, this, thought this that is was a really this good is, idea this is prime r&b beef <laughs> that is this weird. works <laughs> it's funny because i actually met drew hill last summer uh drew hill they and cisco are not and no, <laughs> you know you could have asked. I could have. You should have. I, I I consider myself to be close personal friends now with Drew Hill. You should. And you so should. I'm gonna find him again. I'm gonna meet Drew Hill again. We're gonna, have, we're gonna have multiple times and he has not replied. He was on an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch where he played a vampire. And I just wanted to talk about it. He would not engage. I'm gonna get, see that episode. I'm gonna <laughs> get him on the jack. You saw the this. Fresh <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna get him on the jack, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna reconcile cool, this. Cool, cool. I got questions. All right, so we got to get out of here. Where can the people find you? We didn't even like so really sh- talk about the what you made. Starving artist is hilarious. The three piece stuff I've seen, it's incredible. You do, you're very funny and you do amazing work. So Thank people you. should see it. Where can they where, see where it? Yes, they... You can find me on Twitter at Dwayne Perkins. That's D E W A Y N E Perkins or on Instagram, which is Dwayne K Perkins. Um, yeah, so do that. <laughs> All right. We are at Ergo Radio. I'm at Ergo Daniel. I'm Damon underscore AF. This is 88.5 WHPK. We'll be back next week with another conversation from Chicago and beyond. Much love to the people. Peace.